And welcome back to Coming Down Hot, part two of my conversation with my sister, Jane Kenyon Lawrence. We pick up our conversation with not only more stories about food and drink from her exciting travels, but also some perspective about life and what makes our living of it so magical. We are no doubt at our best when we create, share, and come together. Be it with friends or family, there is nothing antiquated or mundane about togetherness. It is a standard for so many cultures in the world, whether it be marked by absolute joy or heartbreaking sadness. So let's begin. Chapter 1, Part 2, Indelible. If you were to say, okay, tell me what like, the best thing you ever ate was, period. Of course, I can't answer that question, but there, in my travel time, the one food that always comes back to the top of my list of the best ever was I had this peach on the Orient Express. And, you know, they put, like, a little bit of fruit in everybody's room, and there was this peach, and it, it was perfect. And I've had a lot of great peaches in my life, but this peach was perfect. It was absolutely the best peach I've ever had in my entire life. And not because I was on the Orient Express, which was fantastic, but the peach was perfect. Wow. And I can I can never forget that peach. <laughs> well, <laughs> not ever. <laughs> so so that that begs the question like how what else influences like the best? Is it the location? Is it the time? Is it is it the place? Is it the company that you keep? I mean, so it's all of that. It's it's all of it. I mean, how could you, first of all, how could you not have a bad peach on the Orient Express? But then you have the best peach ever, and you happen to be on the Orient right. Express. But how many bad Just, peaches have you had in your life? I mean, think about it. There's nothing worse than biting into a mealy peach. Well, I mean, it's or just really, one that's not, it's not sweet. Yeah, one, it's, it's mealy and unsweet. Mm-hmm. Disappointing is, at the highest level. It's a level. curse. Yes. So <laughs> it just, it could have been okay. It could have been ordinary. It could have been pretty good. <laughs> but I don't know. On that particular day, it it was perfect. Did you have champagne to go with it? Of course. Yes, <laughs> yes I did. Uh, which is not why I made it perfect, but it, it didn't it hurt. It certainly didn't, <laughs> it didn't hurt at take, all. It took nothing so. away from the experience. Yeah. But it's true. I mean, it is, it is all of those things. I mean, when you're involved in like a sensory application, so eating is so much more than just what you put in your mouth, isn't it? It right? is. It is. I mean, whether you're candlelight dinner or on a bridge in New Zealand, you know, there's a million things that go into did you, it. Did you do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where I bungee jumped. <laughs> jumped off that bridge. But I think they were, I don't know, the guys, there are a bunch of cowboys that ran that operation up there, but they were so cute. Um but I think they were eating peanuts or something. And then I was afraid to eat anything because 
Um, <laughs> I, I was afraid I would throw up. And because I asked the guy, I'm like, am I going to throw up? And he's like, I doubt it. Maybe, but I don't think so. And I said, am I going to wet my pants? He's like, <laughs> it's highly likely that you might. And I'm like, oh, my God, here I am, all these cute boys, and I'm about to jump off a bridge and wet my pants. But I did not. Uh, uh, and, uh, yes, that was kind of a – but I remember they were eating peanuts up there. That day. So, yeah, it is. It's It's all sorts of things that come together for those – like a crescendo of, Ooh, of um, like that of a moment, and it and it passes, but it leaves that that film behind. Yeah, you know, that runs through like your an head. Imprint totally s- stays on your tongue. Or um, I remember we were in Paris, and I got to eat at the top of the Eiffel Tower, which. The Jules Verne, I, I think it's still there. Um, and I could not tell you what I ate that night, but I can tell you what I wore. <laughs> and I know that I bought a dress that day to go just to that event. And I was so excited because it was, it was monumental to be able to have an opportunity like mm-hmm. that. Um, yes, there was champagne involved again, but... Um, Maybe tarte tan was dessert, but I do not have any idea yeah. other than but that kind of connection of what I wore and going up there and having champagne and being on the top and the lights of Paris. And so, yes, yeah, so there's just there's those moments that it all comes together and it just is indelible in your your brain and your memory from, you know, I can't tell you what I had for dinner last night, but boy, I can tell you, I can tell you the worst thing I ever had. (laughs) Um, Besides the goat stomach? Well, yeah, it was just, that was probably just an unfortunate um, sanitation misstep. Um, We were at a place called Tiger Tops in Nepal, in a kind of like a treehouse kind of, Lodge, and they served what they called chicken stroganoff for dinner. <laughs> and I was just happy, you know, to have something that wasn't curry. Uh, you know, I love curry, but yeah. you know, after a while, being in that part of the world, you know, everything is just curry. And and so I remember having it for dinner, and the next day I was probably as sick as I've ever, ever been. And it was a travel day, and oh, I, it was man. awful. It was just awful. So I definitely remember that dinner. But on the flip side of that, um, we uh, had an opportunity uh, on a program in China that I did, again, decades ago. We were on the Yangtze River, and a woman fell and broke her hip and I happened to be traveling with the football coach from Baylor University and the team doctor orthopedic guy so they helped me with this woman because I I she had to sail for five days or I guess it was like four or five days before I could get her somewhere where I could get her you know home, medical attention, and then fly her home. 
And so they were instrumental in just really helping me a lot. And um, so when we finished the trip, we ended in Hong Kong. And again, Hong Kong 30-some years ago, much different than what's going on there today. But there was a hotel, the Regent Hotel, had a restaurant called The Plume. And The Plume overlooked Hong Kong Harbor, and it was extraordinary. And... I took the team doctor and the football coach, I took them out to dinner because they had been so helpful. And I had no idea. It was just a recommendation. And it was beautiful and fantastic. But I had no idea what type of restaurant, you know, that it really was. But it was fine dining restaurant. And um, I was on an expense account, but not authorized to really like go crazy. <laughs> so when the bill for dinner came and it was like, I don't know, $800 or something, I was completely mortified. And then I just paid for it <laughs> and enjoyed it even, even more. But uh, again, that whole... That whole experience, that dining experience was, for me at that time, something so unusual because it was formal dining and polished service was exceptional. And because the reservation was in my name, um, and I didn't even know that the waiters knew what my name was, and I had on this little one, and that spaghetti strap dress or something, and the um, I was cold because <laughs> they had the air conditioning on, and I don't know where the guy came from out behind a curtain or something. <laughs> Excuse me, Miss Kenyon, we see you're cold. May we bring you a shawl? And I was like, game over. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Uh, but the part of that meal that I do remember is dessert was like three kinds of sorbet. And they served it with two serving spoons. You know how you scoop and mm-hmm. then and make almost like, like a canal. Canal, yeah. And um, that was the presentation. They did it right at the table, and there was fresh berries and these three um, sorbets. And from yeah, from that meal, that the view, the shawl, and the sorbet. <laughs> what I remember the most about that. So. <laughs> And the thing I love about food and what it does is that you can have a situation that's so exceptional like that and so memorable, or you can flip it around and you can be sitting at a farm table in front of a fireplace and it it can etch itself into your mind in the same way. But I think it's, again, the components all come together in really like this magical way. The food itself doesn't even have to be extraordinary. It's just when all the components come together, and they're coming together because of the food. I mean, you're there to eat. Right. That's when uh, it can just be unbelievable. I mean, like one of my favorite things in life to eat is just the ham and cheese sandwiches that you get in France. You know, it's just baguette, butter, (laughs) ham, and cheese, you know. 
But there's something about that that it's like the ultimate comfort food and and or you pick up a baguette and you go e- grab some some ham and cheese and yeah. you take it to a park and you yeah. eat it and it's like that because everybody's done the whole backpack best thing ever thing. yes and there's just something about that that it when I try to do it here it doesn't taste the same <laughs> even with French ham it doesn't taste the same but um, it is those kind of connections of when all the food molecules and stars align and you just have like this magic food moment when and that's that's really the best those are the best the best things ever yeah i mean i still remember a sandwich that i had it's it's very much like the peach I was not on the Orient Express. I was at this awesome restaurant in uh, Brooklyn called Rosewater. And uh, I was there with my friend Emily. And I ordered the sandwich. And I can't even, like, it's been so long that the the details of what exactly was in the sandwich have faded. But I can tell you without a doubt, it, it was so, like, every bite was better than the last one and it was one of those things that I just I couldn't even like put it down out of my hands because I didn't I needed it so close to my mouth to get to the next bite because (laughs) it was so saturating my mouth with like flavor I swear there must have I don't know what they put in it it, I mean, it was you almost think that like did someone drug my food because all I want to do is just keep eat eating it. this <laughs> sandwich because it's just like, whoa, it just twisted my brain yeah. and my tongue and my mouth. Yeah. I, so if anybody from Rose Water in Brooklyn ever hears this, please <laughs> tell, tell me, me what, what was, was in that sandwich. In that sandwich. Oh my gosh. And it's just this tiny, tiny little place. I think it maybe seats 25 people. And you're like packed in there too. Right. So if it when right. it's full, yeah. <laughs> it's and it intimate. is full because it's it's really good and everybody wants that. And those are you know those are kind of awesome eating experiences as well, where you're somewhere that everybody wants to be. You know. Yeah. And you've and had it, those experiences where you've you know waited months to get the table to you know. Hmm. Um, but. Um, there's just something about that when it all just kind of comes together and and it just is transcendent. Do you think that you have that's what makes a foodie a foodie? I mean, I hate to use that term because it's some a little bit because it says a lot, but it feel like it's overused. Yeah, um, I think it is a little bit overused um, from the standpoint that um, now it it almost has a different meaning, but almost derogatory in some in certain circles. Well, true, right? Because it's been used to I don't know. If you're committed to food, you're committed to food. So call it whatever you want. But, you know, and the people that get upset because people are taking pictures of their, their food when it comes to the table. And I'm that person. I'm totally that person. I try not to be, you know, rude about it or, you know, try to be a little on the sly about it. But 
I want to remember, I like plate presentations. I just love that. Or things that are unexpected that come out of somebody's kitchen. I'm like, I have to take a picture of this because I have to tell my husband or I have to show my kids or I have to. Right. Because food is our life, you know. My husband's a chef. My kids grew up in the kitchen. And it's just, it's who we are. And we have influences from all over the world, but it just how did we get this way? I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, I mean, mom was always in the kitchen. Always, then dad in the was in the kitchen. Always, and mom always baked. And you know, I'm probably the least talented of everybody in the family in terms of cooking. Okay, um, I gotta stop you on that no, one right there. No, and I'm okay. not. I'm not trying to. I'm not fishing for compliments or anything. I just, if you lined everybody up, my skill level is is not at the top. I'm probably. I am probably at lower. But creativity and ideas and presentation. Yes, that that's my more my thing. I don't really have the patience like John does to spend four hours making bread, but once it's True. done, I can throw it down. <laughs> Pretty fantastic. And at our house, the joke amounts of butter. The joke is charcuterie because my daughter Emery is a big fan of charcuterie, and her friend she's a senior in high school, and so most of those kids have no idea what charcuterie even is, but. She like is on a campaign to school everybody, <laughs> and um, sadly we she lost her best friend this summer, but her most memorable uh, time with this boy was he took her to Ravinia to see Tony Bennett, and. For weeks, they planned this outing and what food they would bring. And Emery said, we're taking charcuterie. And she packed the most amazing combination of things and took her, like, china platter and her tablecloth and votive candles, you know, everything that people do in Ravinia. So at age, you know, age 17, 16, 17, she... um, had this beautiful charcuterie bread, which she photographed. And nowadays, obviously, these kids are all on Snapchat and Instagram and posted it, and people just went crazy because they, they had no idea what what was going on and what it was all about. But um, forever, that will be such an important memory for her because that's what she did with her friend Garrett. And Absolutely. It, it is... It's a thing now. (laughs) Oh my god! It's a thing. So seniors at Lane Tech High School in Chicago have made a thing out of charcuterie. Uh, Yeah, they have 122 clubs at Lane Tech, and one of them is the Charcuterie Club, (laughs) which is not, but it could be. Definitely could be. I think if Emory has her way, it definitely could. Yeah, it could be. But again, just tying it back with. it, it was a beautiful charcuterie platter, and it had a. It was well rounded, and it had, uh, you know, all the perfect components. But it was, it was the event. It was the anticipation. It was the coming together of friends and music and food and love, and it was all the perfect 
moment? I think that is the essential component. Love is the essential component in it, and it takes many forms. And however it is expressed, whether you're just by yourself, you know, whatever, um, th- that that love for life, that love for whatever you put forth in the world, like travel or I, I, whatever your definition of love is in that moment, I think that's like the essential it really boils down to that's like the simplest element, right? The secret ingredient. It is the secret ingredient. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of is when you think about it, and for, particularly for our family, that is how we give. That's It's our love language. I mean, it's how we give. It's how we nurture. It's how we commune. It's how we show out to each other, you know, um, and... We, you know, everybody else is sitting around talking about politics and climate change, and we're talking about flavor profiles. That's what we want to experiment with. And, um, and you know, uh, yeah, my skill set is limited, but the, that's what's important to me. And that's not to say that we don't discuss the weightier issues of the world, but we do make it a point to celebrate life in any way, shape, or form. And it's artistry. Our medium of choice just happens to be edible. And I do think the world would be a little less crazy if everyone followed even just a little bit what my sister explains as a basic example of how we come together. Like today I spent the whole day making three different kinds of cheesecake because I don't really make cheesecake and I'm trying to make it in a certain way that it's not really working. But tomorrow I'll try again, <laughs> and um, and it's that's that's what we do, and that's what makes us us. Um, but I think I think it's a pretty good way to be, you know, and particularly in the world that's gone crazy. That's just bonkers. If you can just give, receive, share the love of food with anybody even if it's by yourself sometimes popcorn and netflix is not a bad thing no i don't suppose it is because togetherness with oneself is perhaps as equally as important as spending time in the company of others it's just giving receiving and sharing on a whole different level so here's my advice Go out and find your peach. Find your sandwich. Find something that leaves you insatiable. If you found it once, find it again. And again and again and again. Dine well. Drink well. Be adventurous. Take risks. Do it by yourself. Do it with somebody else. Eat charcuterie off of China. Sit at a farm table by the fire. Eat peanuts with cute cowboys. Hell, jump off that bridge. 
Find your joy. Find your love. Make it memorable. You deserve it. <laughs>